Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China for 51 years, the late 1800s. By the time he finished with his ministry there, he had established more than 125 schools, more than 500 what they call mission stations where believers gathered like churches, and more than 18,000 Chinese came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And in his kitchen every day, he looked at two Hebrew words that he had framed. Hudson Taylor had up in a plaque in his kitchen there two Hebrew words, the word Ebenezer and the word Jehovah Jireh. Ebenezer, the stone of help, represented to him looking the direction backward at everything God had done to provide for him for 51 years. Jehovah Jireh, the Hebrew word meaning God will provide in the future. So he said, every day when I got up, I looked two directions. I looked at the past at what God has done, and I looked at the future at what God will do because he's faithful in both. Last Sunday morning, as you might remember, Moses stood the edge of the promised land with his arms outstretched, speaking a farewell message to the Israelites. And as he's standing there, it's not the old Israelites, it was the new generation that had come up. It was the, it was the generation that was coming up. All the other ones had died in the wilderness. And he has his arms lifted up and he gives them some great advice. In the farewell speech, he said, Listen to God's word and do it. Don't take away from the Bible. Don't add to God's words. And then he said, remember Baal Peor. And the young generation was listening to him. And then as Moses continued on in Deuteronomy chapter 4, he told them, now you need to look in two directions. Here are those directions starting in verse 6. Read with me. Keep them and do them. Talking about the words, the commands of God. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding. In the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon Him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, make them known to your children and your children's children. You may remember I shared with you last, last Sunday that several months ago I was reading the Bible, I was reading through Deuteronomy just in my daily Bible reading, and I came to chapter 4. And I read it, and it, it really struck me, the first 40 verses. And so I read it again, and, and it just really struck me again. I read it a third time, and, and I felt God impressed me. You need to, verse by verse, go through all 40 verses with the congregation. 
So, thankfully for you, I didn't do it all in one Sunday. I'm doing it over the course of eight weeks. We started last Sunday. We're going verse by verse for 40 verses through Deuteronomy 4. And the reason why is this. What, Deuteron- what uh, uh, Moses said in Deuteronomy to the new generation coming up, we desperately need to hear in America today. And we desperately need to hear spoken into our culture. And we desperately need to hear it in our churches. So I started last week, I went through verses 1 through 5, beginning the farewell address. And now I continue by looking in two directions. That's what he told them next. Look in two directions. Here's the first one, letter A on your outline. First of all, look at others looking at you. Look at others looking at you. Now listen to what Moses said, verse 6. Keep God's commandments and do God's commandments, for they will be your wisdom and your understanding. Did, Did you catch that? They will be your wisdom and your understanding. Have you ever made the connection? Have you ever thought about there being a connection between you knowing what to do in a circumstance and your obedience to the Bible? There's a connection. I have people come to me all the time, Pastor, I... I don't know what to do. Can I, can I make an appointment? Come in, visit with you. Sure, absolutely. I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I have this decision. I, I just don't know what to do. Well, do you, do you follow what God has told you? Well, no, not really. There's the problem. That's why you don't know. Moses drew a connection between your obedience to what God has told you and knowing what to do in circumstances. Wisdom. It's a connection. And your understanding. Have you ever come up against something in life? You go, Lord, I, I don't understand this. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Why did this happen? Why are you doing this? Why? I, I don't understand. And he said, if you obey the words of the Bible, you'll understand. If you do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, if you go to church, that's what God's commanded every believer to do. You don't go to church, you're not going to know. You're not going to have wisdom, you're not going to understand. God's commanded all of us to read His Word, to spend time daily in His Word, praying and reading His Word. If you don't do that, you're not going to have wisdom. God has commanded us to give a tenth of our offerings to him were to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. You don't do that. You're disobedient. You won't have understanding. You have wisdom. All the commands God has given us, he says, if you do these, you'll have wisdom and understanding. You don't, you don't need to make an appointment with the pastor to find out what to do. And don't get me wrong, I love fisting with you, but But you'll know what to do if you keep his commands. Notice what he said next. 
He said in verse 6, when you, when you do these things, when you obey the commandments of God, other nations around you will say, wow, those people are wise and have understanding. So whenever you obey God's commands, do what He's commanded us to do, we have wisdom, we have understanding, and, and other people around us look at us and go, how do they have such understanding? How, how do they have such wisdom? How do they know what to do in every circumstance? Ah, it, it must be their God. Now, I'm, I'm not the one that said that. Moses is the one that told the next generation that. So, let, let me ask you a question. Does that describe you? Do people that you work with, people you go to school with, people in your neighborhood, do they, do they look at you knowing you're a Christian? Do they look at you and go, wow, there's something different about their God that I don't have? Moses said the nations around the Israelites would do that. Held his arms up. Next generation, if you obey the, the commands of the Lord, all the nations around you are going to look at you and they're going to see that there's a God in Israel. But listen to what he said next. Verses 7 and 8. Nations will look at you and they will say, what great nation has a God so near to it as Israel? You see, the nations around the Israelites, they, uh, they worship idols made with their hands. They would get a tree, and they would carve into the tree. They would cut it up, and they would carve into the tree what looked like what was called an Asherah, which was worshiping of Baal. So they would carve it themselves. They would make this little god themselves with their own hands. And then after they fashioned with their hands, they set it up, and they bowed down to it. You're, you're bowing down to something you created. It doesn't make sense, does it? But they did. And then other nations around them wouldn't worship the Baals. They would worship the sun and the moon and the stars. And, and, and to them, God was always remote. He was remote. He was, he was trapped in a, in a piece of wood. Or, or he's remote. He's the sun or he's the stars or he's the, the moon. And, and he's always remote. And he was always mysterious. And he was always about halfway angry and you're trying to appease him. And he was always a God who was capricious. You, you, you never knew if he was going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed and be angry or not. And that was God, all the nations. And they look at Israel and they go, wait a minute, your God's near you. What nation has a God near them? This is odd. And they looked at the Israelites and said, Yahweh, maybe he's the only God. And folks, there are a lot of people around you. They're in your neighborhoods, they're at your work, they're at school, and they're looking at you. And many of them are worshiping the gods of their hands. They, they're worshiping oh, they're a job or a vocation. 
They're worshiping the work of their hands. Others are still worshiping the sun or the moon or false belief systems or astrology. And, and, and they look at you and they're going, I don't have a God near me like you do. My, my God's remote and removed and mysterious and capricious and I don't have one like you. And other people look at you and it says something about your God. And Moses told the next generation, you follow the commands of the Lord and all these other nations around you are going to look at you and they're going to see me. So how do you show people what God's like? Well, I'm kind. Yeah, that's not yet according to Scripture. Well, I, 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 I read my Bible where they can see it on break. No, that's not yet. Well, I wear Christian t-shirts. And I wear a bracelet that says WWJD, and then they ask me about it. I tell them, oh, I try to do what Jesus would do. No, that's not it either. That's not how you show God. Well, pastor, I'm friendly and I smile. No, that's not how you show God. Not according to Moses. Well, I'm a Republican, and you see, Republicans are, we believe, closest to what the Bible teaches, so that, that shows them God. No, that's not it either. How did Moses say you show people God? You obey what he told you to do. He told you to go to church. You go to church. He told you to read his word. Read his word. He told you to pray. Pray. He told you to serve. Use your spiritual gifts. Serve. He told you to tithe. Tithe. All that he's commanded you to do, you do those things. And people around you know there's a God in Israel when you obey. Did you know that crickets know that you're watching? Did you know that? I've got some crickets on the screen there. How about that? Crickets, the study showed crickets are the only invertebrate that know when people's watching. I don't know how they knew that, but they act differently. Now, there are mammals, there are fish, and there are birds that can sense a, a human's presence, and it frightens them. But crickets, according to the study, the only ones that know that people are watching, and they act differently because of it. In fact, male crickets are the worst. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Male crickets, if other crickets are watching, they strut a little bit more. And they're a little tough, you know. And Male crickets do that. And they observed this. Crickets know when other people are watching them. And if crickets know, surely we should know. Other people are watching you. And here's the second direction he said to look. Letter B on your outline. They're all in verse 9. Look at 
yourself. First of all, look at others looking at you, and, but second of all, look at yourself. And there are two aspects in verse 9. First of all, he said, take care of your soul. Now, now listen to this carefully. This is fascinating. Take care of your soul. In verse 9, Moses, standing before the people, next gen is out there, has his arms up over them as he's speaking. That's how they did in those days. And he told them, only take care of your soul, keep your soul with diligence. Now, I read that, and it sounds very benign. In fact, somebody, if I'm leaving and somebody says, uh, Pastor, uh, only take care, I'm going to go, okay, yeah, you too. It's very friendly and cordial. That's not what Moses said. This could have been the most angry and forceful Moses was in the entire chapter. One phrase. The word only is what's called in Hebrew a, an adverb with restrictive force. So it shouted, only take care of your soul. He said it with force. Now the words take care of and keep and diligently, I want you, I want you to see these. Take care of, take care of your soul and keep your soul. Take care and keep are the same word. In Hebrew, it's the both have the same root. It's called shamar. Do you remember last Sunday, shamar? Remember that? It's the word guard. Last Sunday morning, remember we talked about the word guard, the words of, 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 of God. And, and you remember the word shamar is the word picture of a dog guarding the food. And anytime somebody gets near it, Remember that? Well, he uses the same word shamar for your soul. Guard your soul. Keep it. As other belief systems come near, don't let them near your soul. It's too valuable. As you hear things in culture, what you ought to believe, you should believe this, you should believe that, you should believe this about your sexuality, you should believe that about, about whatever topic. Guard your soul so nothing contaminates it. It's the most angry Moses got. Can you imagine next generation, arms lifted up, and he just glares at them, and their eyes are this big, and this long-haired, long gray-haired, long gray-bearded man looks at the next generation and he says, you guard your soul. Wow. Keep it diligently. And the word diligently in Hebrew means violent, forceful, attacking, malicious. Let me ask you a question. Do you guard your soul like that? Or do you let any old belief system go into your heart? Any old teaching, any old preacher, any old book, anybody says, anybody's beliefs, anybody's opinions, and you just take them right in? Or do you 
guard, like a dog over food, what goes in here. Dr. Earl Callan says the original Hebrew phrasing of this one sentence constitute the strongest and most urgent appeal Moses made. He was fiery. I was reading a magazine, Psychology Today, and uh, there's no need to read it. It's not any good. But it, it had some advice for us as humans. It says, 12 ways to take care of yourself. I thought, oh, Moses already told us. Let's see what psychology today says. Get enough sleep. Eat healthy. Exercise. Say no. Set boundaries. Take trips. Get outside. Obviously, they don't live in Texas. <laughs> get a pet. Get yourself organized. Cook for yourself. Read a book. And guard your time. Twelve ways to take care of you. And not one mention of God. Not one mention of your soul. In fact, it said you're priority number one. Put yourself first. God says you put me first. And you guard your soul more than anything else. Guard it. The second part of looking at yourself, first one is taking care of your soul. Secondly, he said, don't forget. Look at the next generation and he said, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and they depart from your heart all the days of your life. What had their young eyes seen that Moses did not want them to forget? Well, let's think back. Their eyes had seen slavery in Egypt. Their eyes saw plagues come up on the Egyptians, but not on them. They saw the plague of the firstborn upon Egypt, but not upon them. And their eyes saw Moses lead mom and dad and to the Red Sea and stand there and lift up his arms and the waters parted. And then walked across on dry ground and turned around and looked. And the Egyptian army tried to do the same. And the water covered them and drowned them. Their eyes saw that. And then they go out into the wilderness. And they saw that every time they had a need, God provided. Every time they got thirsty. And so Moses just whacked a rock and water, fresh water pours out of it. And they drank. Their eyes saw that. And they were hungry, and God sent in coveys of quail, and, and then they got hungry every day, and so every morning and every evening he, he gave them manna. And their eyes saw that God provided every single day for them. And they even saw one time people started getting angry at Moses, the leader, and complaining. 
And God sent snakes among them, and there were snakes everywhere, biting them and killing them. And they cried out to the Lord, and he said, hey, make a pole kind of like Jesus and hold it up in the midst. And if you look at the pole, you'll live. And their eyes saw, wow, that works. And their eyes saw another time that, that their moms and dads complained against Moses again because they were angry at God. And, and, and the earthquake happened, just opened up, and their relatives go falling into the earth to their death. And they go, wow. Their eyes had seen a lot. How would you ever forget that? But Moses told them. He said, may your eyes never forget what they've seen because they can. How do you forget the Red Sea parting? Isn't it incredible how quickly we forget God and what he's done? But you know, you and I do the same thing. You'll, you'll, you'll have a test, you go to the doctor and have a test, and, and they say, oh, something doesn't look good. And you go, oh my goodness, oh pastor, would you, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm worried about this. And we pray and pray, and you go back to the doctor, and they say, oh, it's just something on the screen. Oh, okay. And you forget it, and you go on. Are you really praying about something? Oh, God, please do this. And then he does it, and you forget it, and you go on. Let me ask you a question. Today is the last Sunday in July. What were you praying about the last Sunday of July last year? You don't even remember, do you? Isn't it crazy how quickly we forget? We forget him. We forget what he's done. The word forget in Hebrew, shakah, is really an interesting word. And all through Scripture, God's people are warned about forgetting what God's done. And all through Scripture, God continually tells them, I'll not forget you. I'll not forget you. Isaiah 49, 15, I'll not forget you. But you'll forget me. And I wonder how many of you this morning have forgotten God. Oh, you're here today, but in general, you kind of put him back here. And you've forgotten him. Then I want you to notice the last part of verse 9 about forgetting. To pass down what you've seen. Did you notice at the end of verse 9, Moses said, telling the next generation, don't forget what God has done for you, what your eyes have seen, and make sure you pass them on to your children and their children and their children. Keep passing it on. What God has done. Why? Because Israel was only one generation away from no faith. And we're only one generation away from atheism. So keep passing on, Jesus.
what he's done. Ronald Reagan said it first that I know of, 1967, making a speech. He said, freedom is only one generation from extinction. He's right. But so is faith. Theoretical physicist Lawrence Krauss a while back was giving a lecture at an atheist convention. Did you know atheists had conventions? At an atheist convention in Australia, it's, he, they were meeting at what's called the Victorian Skeptics Cafe. And in his lecture, he said this, quote, It only takes one generation to eradicate religion from society. We're making headway. Keep it up. And they go, <laughs> applause. He's right. And because of that, Moses said, all the things God has done, pass those to your children and their children and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Make sure they know there's danger in drifting. It's continual. Without remembrance, faith dies. But if you teach your children the past, the past becomes their present. They take it with them. You know, folks, it is shocking to me how little faith is passed on in Christian families. So many times I hear over and over that we come to church, but we never talk about God the rest of the week. Is that your family? You go to church, you come here on Sunday, you never talk about faith the rest of the week. A teenager this week said it. You know, we went to church, but we never really talked about it at home really what do you talk about what do you talk about that's more important than God it's not passed on and in all the years I've been pastoring I've, I've seen a pattern myself have members of our church who would be they would be nominal. They, they wouldn't. They'd be their hit and miss. And then now I'm old enough to see their kids. They're just like them. But worse, they're really hit and miss. And their kids probably won't be here at all. Passes on. And you see a pattern. You see families getting out of church to take their kids to ball games. They're going to be the next great baseball player. And they're every weekend gone somewhere. Or softball or dance or lake or hunting or something. And the faith is not there. Dudley Chansey, in, a, in a, a periodical called The Christian Chronicle, someone asked him the question, why are youth leaving the church? Why are teenagers not going to church anymore? He said, parents, not passing on the faith. So Moses, speaking of the next generation, said, if you keep the written commands of God, 
They will keep you from forgetting, and they will be your life. So pass them on. Naomi Jacobs went to sleep one night in 1992. She's a 15-year-old girl thinking about a boy that she had a crush on. She fell asleep thinking about him. That was 1992. She woke up, and it was 2009. It had been 17 years. She thought she was waking up the next morning. But Naomi is now 32 years old. She had no idea that she had graduated from high school. No idea that 9-11 had happened. No idea that she had an 11-year-old son. And no idea that she was one semester away from graduating college with a psychology degree. She lived in Manchester, England. You see... Naomi Jacobs had a rare form of amnesia known as transient global amnesia, TGA. It's a rare form that only affects about five people out of every 100,000. By the way, there was a lady in our first service after the service said that she was one of those. It's caused by extreme stress. But you just blank out. With TGA, you can function enough, but you, you have no memory. So Naomi Jacobs woke up one morning in 2009 thinking it was 1992. She went to look in the mirror to get ready for high school, and she was shocked. She saw a 32-year-old woman. And she became hysterical, and she called her sister, and the, they called it, they got a doctor's appointment, they took her to the doctor, and they diagnosed her. Here's a picture of Naomi. There she is on the right as a 15-year-old girl, and she went to sleep, and she woke up like this. And it took Naomi Jacobs about eight weeks to return to normal functioning, to catch up on 17 years. But listen to this. Here's how she did it. She did it because during all 17 years, she kept a diary. And she read through all of those daily journal entries, one by one by one, and her life returned to her. It was the written word of Naomi Jacobs that helped her to remember and give her her life back. And Moses told God's people the same. It's the written commands of God that will keep you from forgetting and will give you life. So listen to them and obey them. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a great challenge to us. Lord, may we have the same passion as a fiery Moses did standing there about, about keeping our souls, guarding our souls. Lord, I, I pray for those listening to me here in person and those virtually that need to know Jesus as Savior.
I pray that today will be the day they make that decision. Father, I want to pray for all those who are Christians, but Lord, to be honest, they've, they've put you way back in their life. You're on the back burner. They're forgetting you. They're not keeping your commands. Lord, may today be the day that they come back to you and make you number one priority and teach you diligently to the next generation. We pray this in Jesus' name.